Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for always being so faithful to us. And we're just grateful for this Sunday and every Sunday as a time to worship and praise you. To give you the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I pray that we decrease in this building as you increase in our lives, and that you will get the honor and glory in all that we do and say today and every day. Uh, We submit ourselves to you. We give ourselves wholly to you, Lord God. Um, There's freedom in you, and so we just want to uh, bask in your presence and just acknowledge your greatness in our lives. We thank you, Lord. Uh, We thank you for every person that's here, that's represented here, every family that's represented here, and I pray that you will Keep them and cover them and meet their needs, Lord Jesus. Uh, you are a healer. You are a deliverer. Uh, you are everything we need is, is in you. And so when you're here, we want to receive of you uh, and press into your presence even the more. So we just thank you and we bless you, Lord. And we thank you for this word uh, that we receive it and uh, that we will live it out. Uh, just not on today, but every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, one correction. You may take your seats. Thank you. My name is Virgil Moore, and I'm a disciple maker. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> uh, and you are too. <laughs> uh, you are all disciple makers. And so uh, one, one correction in the announcement. She said, or, she said, invite a friend or meet with a church member or uh, in, uh, witness to someone or, or preach the gospel, or share the gospel with someone. And it's not or, it's and. <laughs> so your challenge is to do all three, not just one uh, or two, and not the easiest one, uh, but your challenge is to do all three. And you have a week to do that, so um, I'm not going to because I'm on camera and I didn't prepare, uh, I might talk about my coworkers to see. <laughs> we won't put that on, on, on camera. They may actually look at this and be like, you were talking about me. So I'm not going to say that. But, uh, yeah, I have met at least two of the challenges. So I have a week left to do the third one. So uh, you have a week. If you hadn't done all three, you better get on, on it. And, um, Again, meet with the church member. You have to today, this afternoon at the church to get a phone number or a time scheduled, uh, lunch, breakfast, dinner, coffee, whatever it is, just to meet with. And then um, also to invite someone, which is, which is the easier of the three and the one that we tend to lean on the most. Um, but God also does not want us to neglect sharing the gospel with someone, which is important. Um, and, and and what you can do, and this is extra, so um, you guys are not paying me for this. You're not paying me at all, but <laughs> this is just extra. This is not part of the, the, the message. But identify, you know, at least 10 to 12 people that you know that are not saved, um, that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, I, I hope you know at least 10 to 12 people. If you don't know any unsaved people, then let's start there. You need to some unsaved friends. Um but identify those people and then pick out at least three of those people who you think if, uh, if you share the gospel with them, they won't try to kill you or harm you in any way. <laughs> this is 
is not a, we don't want any danger to become of you. Uh, but we, this is non-threatening. These are people that you feel comfortable with sharing the gospel and they will receive it. Whether they receive it and accept Christ in their lives or whether they receive it and hear you and say, thank you for that information, I'll go forward. Um, but either way, you've done your part and let the Lord do his part. And that's all he wants us to do. I think Pastor Ryan mentioned that, you know, this is what Christ died for <laughs> so that we would make disciples. And as his plan was not to overthrow a government, not to set up a kingdom on the earth and to rule, but his plan was for us to share the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That was how he was going to spread the word of the gospel. And as ugly as that may sound, or like, you trusted us? <laughs> as broken individuals, as individuals who have all these problems, um, and all these situations in life, you trust us with your precious word to then go out and share it with others. Yes, that is his plan. And you may have said, oh, I may come up with a different plan, uh, but this is a decentralized plan <laughs> um, that anyone can do. And once you've accepted Christ in your life, the next day you can go out now and share the gospel with someone else. And even though you've only uh, had him Lord over your life for one day, you have a testimony in the, within that day's time. So you can go out and share, hey, yesterday God saved me. I was a sinner bound for hell, and the Lord saved me. And he can do the same for you today. So that's a fourth thing, right? That's four things now. <laughs> I'm adding to your list. See, if you had done all the three, three, three before, I wouldn't be adding. I would be adding. But, uh, but yes, but identify some people that you feel comfortable with sharing the gospel with that will receive it. That is not threatening. I don't, I'm not here. I'm, we're, I'm not telling you to go to be a sidewalk preacher and to stand on the street corner. And, you know, I, that's, that's tough. Uh, and that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm just telling you to identify some friends who need Jesus and, um, and share it. And see what the Lord does in that. So we're still on lessons from the vine. I changed this last minute to- title, topic, yes. Uh, receive and reproduce. And so there's some backstory to this. Uh, I was in college at NC State many, many years ago. And uh, I used to be in a ministry on campus. And we used to sing this song. And I recently shared it with my wife because I was like, oh, I found this song. It was called I Want to Be a Follower of Christ. Uh, I want to be one of his disciples. I want to walk in the newness of life. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> so let me be a follower of Christ. And one of the questions it asks in the song is, what do I have to do? What do I have to say? How do I have to walk each and every day? Tell me what does it cost to carry the cross? So let me be, so let me be a follower of Christ. And uh, so we've been talking about discipleship and making disciples. And the lesson from the vine is to receive and reproduce. And so we want to make followers of Christ. And first, if you're going to be a disciple maker, you must be a disciple, right? (laughs) And I don't want to take for granted that everyone in here is a disciple. But to make disciples or to reproduce, you must be a disciple. And so we're going to use Matthew 16, 24 and Mark 8, 34, which basically say the same thing. It says, uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple, 
And he said this, uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then in Mark 8, 34, he says, then he called the crowd to him. So he's just not talking to his disciples, but he's also talking to the general crowd. And he says, uh, crowd to him with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so I'm going to ask, my, ask four questions. What do I have to do? What do I have to say? How do I have to walk? And tell me what does it cost to carry the cross, to be a disciple of Christ? And so what do I have to do? So Matthew 16 to 24 and Mark 8, uh, 34 tells us what we have to do. It is not easy. It doesn't sound nice. It's not what you want to start out with on uh, Palm Sunday. <laughs> but uh, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And so that word in the Greek, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it. It is aponeome. Aponeome. It means to deny. It means to utterly repudiate. So you deny yourself is just not a tangential thing where you say, well, I'm going to fast this week. It is to deny yourself. Some versions have hate yourself even. Luke mentions about hating yourself, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But to deny yourself of all worldly pleasures and fleshly pleasures. To disown, to repudiate, to disregard. Let him deny himself. To deny ourselves is to put off our natural affections towards the good things in this life. It's so natural for us to desire the good things of this life, the pleasures, the profit, the honors, the relationships, life, and anything that keeps us in disobedience to what the Lord would have us to do. That is what he, wa- that is what he wants to deny us of. This is not a, uh, an easy thing, but it's an important thing in being a follower of Christ. That this is not my life. And so many times I find myself saying, I'm grown, I can do what I want. Because I'm grown, I can do what I want. Uh, And then the Lord in that moment reminds me how ungrown I am and how I can't do what I want. Because you waited when you were younger, you waited until you were grown to do what you want, right? I did. I was like, I can't wait to be grown, I can do what I want. And then the Lord got hold of me and said, you can't do what you want. <laughs> uh, thus Christ the apostle, said to the apostles, said, please not himself. Christ, the apostle said, please not himself in John 5.30. It says that Jesus pleased not himself. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. Even Jesus couldn't do what he wanted. He had to do what the Father told him to do. And then, and then John also 4.34 says, My food, said Jesus, is not is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So it's not my work. It's not, it's not what I want to do. And you know, we were talking, we've been, we fasted in January, and I told you guys how the Lord was just sharing with me to die to self. And this is coming back up a theme in my life, and hopefully in yours, is to die to self. Uh, and it's probably going to be, it takes us a lifetime to die to self, right? <laughs> as long as you're alive, you're going to be learning how to die to yourself. 
so deny yourself, then take up your cross, willingly and cheerfully take up the burdens that the Lord places on you. Willingly and cheerfully, right? Remember that. <laughs> to take up the burdens the Lord has placed on you by his divine providence to bring you under his profession. And your, his profession or your profession is to be a disciple maker. And to be a disciple maker, there will be trials and tribulations. It says in Matthew uh, 6, 7, it says, when the wind blows against the house that was built on the sand and built on the rock, uh, it says the wind and the storm came for both those houses, right? So there will be trials when your house is on the rock, and there will be trials when your house is on the sand. And we pray that you built it upon the rock so it will withstand the storm. But trust me, there will be a storm. Because it's part of life. And that is what your cross is that you must bear. And it's, and it's different for everyone, and it takes different shapes and forms uh, for everyone. But we have, we suffer in this body. We must beat it under submission. I had a friend, uh, we were fasting this week, and I, I must admit I didn't fast as, as strongly as I would have liked to. Uh, fasting for a particular uh, situation, and he informed us in this group chat that uh, the decision was delayed, and I gave him the thumbs down uh, because that meant I had to fast a little longer, and I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to fast any longer. I was, like, All right, I, I was hoping this would be over Saturday. Now I've got to pray about it an, another week. And that's how we are because it's our flesh, right? You know, we have to submit it to the Lord. And it was my, it was, I came to him and said, hey, maybe we should fast and pray about this this week since you, since you have this big decision coming up on Saturday. And here I am upset about it, that it got delayed. <laughs> but it's an opportunity to deny my flesh, to submit myself to the Lord and what he wants me to do. So uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's what do I have to do. Follow me is to get behind and go in the direction that I'm going. So it's not just um, follow me is not just getting behind me, but it's also getting behind, and it includes a direction. You're not getting behind and just standing still. You're not getting behind and just uh, loitering. But you're getting behind, and you're on a mission. You're going in a direction. I pray that direction is Christ when you're following somebody or when someone's following you. That they're following, you're being led by Christ and they're following you as you follow Christ. And they're doing what you do. So that's what we have to do. What do I have to do? I have to die, take up my cross and follow him. Now it's tough. Some of the people say, oh man, you start out like this, where are we going to go with this, man? <laughs> we're already talking about dying to self, but it's important. So that's what we have to do. What do I have to say? Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So we're going to confess with our mouth. That's one thing we're going to say. We're going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. That is, that is just the, the first step uh, in being a disciple. And, I, and it's important, I meant to say this earlier, uh, because this is uh, Lessons from the Vine, Receive and Reproduce. 
Uh, I want you to receive, I want you to take in this message, not just to receive it, but also, because I think it takes a different level or different level of listening when you expect it to receive it and then reproduce it. Because it's one thing to receive it, and it stops with you, and you take it in, and you feed yourself, and you get full, and that's great. But it's another thing, the expectation is that I have to now receive this and then go out and reproduce this. I need to go out and teach this to someone else. I need to take this in. And, and that is why, that is, that is what disciple making at the core, that's what, that's what disciple making is, is that I am being led of the Spirit, and the Lord is teaching me and showing me and, and helping me in my life, and, what, and it doesn't end with me. This is not a dead end. This is not a cul-de-sac. It doesn't dead end with me. But I'm just a vessel, a pass-through for all that he's showing me, and now I must show someone else. Because if it dares in with me, then where is the church? It doesn't grow. It doesn't go on. You know, how are we to uh, follow through with the Great Commission of uh, going to all the ethnos and all the nations, all the people groups? How are we going to share the gospel if all we do is it ends with us? And we come in Sunday after Sunday and receive, but never with the expectation that I now not have to reproduce this. I need to take this, what I've received now, and go out and share it with someone else. So listen with the expectation of just not to receive, but to also reproduce. And this is important because um, sometimes we hear a message and we feel like, that's not really for me, or that didn't touch me, or that wasn't for me. Well, they're not for you, or just for you. (laughs) They nourish you. But it may be for you to receive and then give it to someone else. And maybe in where you are in your life, that didn't apply. But when you give it, gave it to someone else, they said, man, that was so good to me. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And then you can say, that word that I received and gave to you and reproduced and gave it to you is exactly where it needed to be. Because it didn't cul-de-sac with me. It didn't end with me. I'm just a vessel that it flowed through. I'm 460. I'm keep going. It's going through me. <laughs> or 29 or, what, or 81 or whatever interstate. It flows through me. I'm just a vessel. What do I have to say? I have to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Uh, I have to confess your faith in Jesus. You have to confess your faith in Jesus, your personal Savior, one who saved you by grace, not by works, and that he is Lord. He is in control of your life. That's important. If you're going to be a disciple, and I know you are <laughs> going to choose right, rightly. Uh, when you're a disciple, it is important that he is Lord of your life. And not just on Sunday, not just your spiritual life, not just your prayer life or, or what, we can, what we consider spiritual life, but he is Lord over all of your life, your work life, your home life, your church life, your, for me, uh, in my car on the road life, because I have a tendency to get angry when people don't drive correctly. And um, I have to remind myself, man, that might be a member of Cornerstone that I'm, like, um, not happy about when they're in the fast lane going slow. But uh, <laughs> all of your life, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he wants to be Lord over all of your life. 
And so many times we want to give him the good parts of our lives or the parts that we think he, you know, oh, this is good. I'll give this to him. He can lord over this part of my life. But the dark, nasty, stinking stuff, he wants to be lord over. That's how, that's how you're going to be free. That's how you're going to be set free and get out of that dark, stinky, nasty stuff uh, is allow him to be lord. And so many times the, the world, and this is why it's important that we um, receive it and reproduce it, the world's idea is that I get it together first, then I come to Christ. You know, let me get my life right first, or let me do all my party and then get that out of my system and get my life together, and then I come. But the truth of the matter is, you'll never get your life right. I'm trying to get my life right. <laughs> so I know you're not going to get your life right. Um, but that's the truth. We, we, we expect that we're going to clean ourselves up and then come to Christ. When the truth of the matter is, he wants to do the cleaning for us. It is his desire that he washes us with his blood. So what we're doing is taking on the effect of the cross, right? We're taking a little cross and say, let me clean my stuff up and get myself right for Jesus. And Jesus is like, I've done the work. You just need to come to me. That's what I died for, for your sins. And all you have to do is come to me. So you don't have to get it together and then come to me. Just come to me. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, 20, it's in the Great Commission. What we have to say is that we have to be teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And that is within the Great Commission that you are expected to teach. And I know that so many times that we feel like, well, I'm not, I'm shy and I'm quiet and we believe in God for the impossible, right? <laughs> so the impossible thing, maybe opening up your mouth and sharing the good news of the gospel. Or teaching what you've learned. Again, then a vessel, not letting it end here, but let me go and teach what the Lord has showed me. Someone needs to hear it. Trust me, someone needs to hear your testimony. Someone needs to know what the Lord is doing in your life. Someone needs to see your light. And the only way they're going to do it is if you go and share it with them. And we're commanded to do that. We're commanded to teach them. And I think this is where the rub is for so many of us, is that um, we find this difficult because in order to teach someone, and I taught high school for a special ed for a little while in my lifetime. Uh, and it's easier to teach special ed because my students had a, a, a difficult level of understanding, so I could just throw anything up there. It was real simple. But when you're teaching someone, you got to know the stuff. I can't teach what I don't know. I can't show you something... Uh, I took physics, but I don't know physics. Uh, uh, so I can't come up here and fake that I know physics because I don't know it well at all. Uh, and you will easily find out that I don't know it well if I came up here and tried to fake it. And the truth is, the reason we don't like being disciple makers is because we're not in this word. So I don't know this word. And then I'm expected to teach someone. And that someone may ask me a question. And then I don't know the answer to that question. And so then I'm not going to disciple anyone. I'm not going to share. You want, that's the truth. 
right? That's the rub. That's why. That's what keeps us really from being a disciple maker. And we're afraid that someone will see our mess and be like, well, they're messy too. Well, that's the whole point, is that they see your mess and say, wow, you're messy too. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm here. And that's, hey, that is the truth. And let me teach you that. Let me show you that I'm, I don't live in my mess. I'm trying to get out of my mess. But I can teach you that there is grace when you mess up. There's grace when you make a mistake. There is this, this, this walk is a grace walk in that he offers grace. And I can be an exemplary of that by showing grace to you when you mess up, when you make a mistake. It's not ending with me. I'm, I'm, I'm reproducing this. So God has given me grace, and so now I'm going to turn around and give you grace. But yeah, we, we have to know what we're teaching. And it's important for us to get into the Word of God so that we know what we're teaching. You will be asked challenging questions. Uh, people will challenge your faith. Uh, and if you're around unbelievers, um, they will challenge your faith. And not in a negative way. These are friends. I have friends who are unbelievers. Uh, Muslim friend that cuts my hair. Um, you know, he asked me questions, and I have to know the Word. And sometimes I don't. <laughs> I'll get back with you, brother. Um, but they're going to ask. I have a friend that's unsaved, and uh, he, he's always asking. He's always willing. And I think, he, you know, the Lord is working in his heart. And, uh, and it's important for me to know this so that when he asks a question, then I can give an answer. Um, and I ask the Holy Spirit to be with me. Tell me what to share and show me what to share. And prepare me for when, I, when we get together and whatever we're going to do, run or work out together. Uh, when that question comes, that I'm prepared and I'm ready. Uh, and it requires preparation. It requires me to be in the Word. It requires me to be prayerful. It requires me to be thinking about other people. It requires you to not concern yourself about yourself so much, but be concerned about other people. Uh, Acts 1 and 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and this is, again, under what do I have to say? I have to say that I have to be a witness. Uh, when you go to court and you're a witness for someone, you're speaking on their behalf. You're saying that I've been a witness. I've seen what this person has done, and now I am a witness for it. And that's what he's calling you to do. He's saying, hey, speak to the world about what I've done in your life. Be a witness. Can you be a witness? Has the Lord done anything in your life where you need to now share it with other people? Some witnesses are good and some witnesses are bad, right? Can you be a good witness for Jesus? How do I have to walk? They must walk faithfully before the Lord, as did Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Joseph in the, in the Old Testament. It talks about these men as walking faithfully before the Lord. Uh, walk in obedience in all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper, prolong your days in the land that you will possess. It's Deuteronomy 5.33. You're going to walk faithfully. You're going to walk in obedience. Uh, Galatians 5.16 says, So will I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking by the Spirit. And Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way 
of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we're going to get, talk more about that love on next Sunday because um, the whole backdrop of this is love, really. Uh, if you can't fake love. <laughs> you will be found out soon if you really love. Uh, and that the core heart of the matter is that God wants us to love one another. And that is why we have a passion for sharing the gospel is because in my heart, I love you. And I don't want to see you burn in hell. And so out of that love, I'm going to make myself share the good news of the gospel with you. And like we said, these are not strangers. These are, you know, out of your 10 to 12 people that you've identified, you know, those three people that are not going to throw stones at you if you come up there and say, hey, man, I want to share the gospel with you. I know you for 20 years and we've never really had a conversation. There are some people that you're questioning whether they're saved. There are some family members that, you know, I'm not sure. They never talk about it, but I never ask them and I'm not sure. This is the opportunity the Lord is giving you again to share with them the good news of the gospel. So then you'll know for sure that they heard the good news of the gospel. This is not church invitation. You can't professionalize disciple making. The expectation is that the pastor and the leaders do the disciple making at the church. We just invite you to church. No. You are expected to be disciple makers as well. It's not a professional thing that you have to go to college for and have a degree in disciple making. I don't know if Liberty has it or not. But (laughs) it is expected that all of us be disciple makers. No matter what station you are. And look at what look at the people Jesus chose to be his followers, right? They were regular people. They were fishermen. They were, he was a carpenter himself. They were tax collectors. Some of them were looked at as uh, uh, degraded in society. They weren't, they weren't um, really the, the most popular. They weren't the best looking. They were just regular people living their regular lives. And Jesus said, follow me. And he's saying that to you. And he's telling you to share that with other people, regular people. What does it cost to carry the cross? We're going to end. Um, What does it cost? It says, uh, the cost of discipleship. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, this is in Luke, and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. He said, hate. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, hate your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Yeah, that's harsh. That's rough. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So it goes on to say, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Let me go back. We're going to finish up this. We're going to go first starting at uh, verse 25. We're going to end at verse 34. But it says, hate. Hate is not... The hate in the sense that uh, we think of, but it could be. I, I've read some commentary that says hate literally means hate. Uh, 
what it means to love less. If you look at that word in the Greek, it means to love less. So if anyone does not love less, the father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, uh, love them less than him. You cannot have any idols in your life before God. He's a jealous God. He wants to be first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. And that is hard because we love our family. We can, uh, most of us, some of us may have difficult families and we're happy to be away from them. Um, but most of us love our families and we find it difficult to hate them. Um, but to love them less than God. And that means that whatever he's called you to do, that you're not going to put them before what he's called you to do. That you're not going to put their opinion about what you should do ahead of his. You're not going to put your lifestyle about what he's called you to do ahead of, ahead of him. And we have so many expectations from family and friends and a host of other people. But the truth is, uh, sometimes those expectations can color what we do in this life. And the truth is, sometimes we've done things for our family. And that might have been opposed to what God wanted you to do. And so then we've made an idol of our family by putting their desires ahead of what God wanted us to do. And putting what uh, my sister or brother wanted me to do ahead of what God had told me to do. And he said, you need to love them less. And if it offends them, if you lose that relationship, so be it. <laughs> and that may be harsh, right? That is harsh. That is a harsh word. But it is the word. I didn't make it up. It is what he says. And so be it. Because it is more important for me to follow him than to follow my mother, my brother, my sister, what, whoever, friend, whatever, run, name, name it. It is more important for me to follow him. And if it offends them, then so be it. I must follow him. Because I, I, I want no idols ahead of him, who is the Lord of my life. <laughs> so then we count up the cost. So we say, if you suppose you build this tower and you, you don't have enough money, you're not completed, then people will think you're silly. And then 31 says, or suppose a king is about to go to war uh, against another king, won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long, uh, long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Let's say that again. In the same way, those of you who do not give up Everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but it loses its saltiness. Uh, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for soil nor for manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And so it's, it's interesting because it goes into something that doesn't seem like it correlates to what he was talking about. What he's talking about is that uh, being a disciple maker and following after him, makes you light, makes you salty, gives you flavor, gives you power. And when you don't follow him, you lose your saltiness, use your value, and then it's no good to anyone. You're no good to anyone because 
you're not making disciples. You're not following him. You've put some things ahead of him. You've put some decisions ahead of what he's told you to do. you put some people ahead of what he's told you to do. you put some situations ahead of what he's told you to do. you put your own self ahead of what he's told you to do. And so then you're losing your savor. And we lose our effectiveness in the earth and in the world because we become intermingled with the world. And they can't tell the difference from you to the next guy because you're doing the same thing they're doing. You make your own personal decisions and you run your mouth flippantly and you may say things off color and you may do whatever and you look just like them. And so then when you try to become a disciple maker and say, hey, do you know Jesus? They're looking at you like, do you know Jesus? (laughs) You look just like the other guy. You're doing the same thing just like the other guy. You're losing and uh, losing hard and is fearful and uh, put more faith in the government than you do in Jesus, you're doing everything that these other people are doing in the world. Why would I come to you? I ain't seen you pray <laughs> at all. Why would I? You're losing your effectiveness, your saltiness, your influence in your sphere because we're doing what everyone else is doing. And it is so easy, so easy to do. The Old Testament is littered where the Lord told them to utterly destroy these people because they will come in and you will take on their gods and you will take on their rituals and you will do this. And he warned and he warned over and over again. And you would think, we'd think like, these people are idiots. Why didn't they do what the Lord told them to do? And then the Lord reminds me, you idiot, you do the same thing. Tear this down. Don't do it. Don't utterly destroy it. You're delivered. You're set free. Don't go back to that. And we go back to it over and over again, looking like the world, losing our saltiness, losing our influence. Someone says that no one comes to the church for direction. The world doesn't. They look to government. They look to business. They look to individuals. They look to their own gods. And they think we're just judgmental. (laughs) Oh, those judgy people. We're supposed to be known for our love. We're known for judgment. I'm sorry, I'm getting into next Sunday's message. (laughs) We're losing our saltiness. And it's harder for us to make disciples because people, the world, looks at us and they're like, no different in your life. But your life should be a life of peace. When there's turmoil, when there's chaos and there's disarray in the world, and you should be the person that says, how are you solid as a rock, man? You're not bothered by this. My hope is in Jesus. And the hope is built on nothing less than righteousness. Yes. Amen. Whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. This is, this is important. Cause, uh, and I, I want to submit this. If you felt like you've lost your saltiness, let's try to regain it. Let's, let's come to him. Let's come in his presence. Let him refresh you. Refresh your heart. Refresh your life. Um, the hate Greek word is comparative, meaning uh, misio, 
uh, which means centers around a moral truth, elevating one value over another. We talked about that. Uh, you know, close, in the Romans eight eighteen, this is a rough word, I know. <laughs> You're not going to go out of here shouting and screaming. Uh, <laughs> but I do want you to, uh, and, and to me, as a disciple, so these are things you can do as a disciple. And as a disciple maker, these are things that you're going to share as you go out and make disciples. And I think it's interesting that, you know, the, he, he talks about count up the cost. And, and I don't know if I knew that early on in my, I got saved at 18 when I was in college, um, that I counted up the cost. And we said, hey, am I willing to uh, do all for Christ? I'm willing to uh, let go of friendships and family for the sake of Christ. And he says, if you're not willing to do that, you can't be my disciple. You can't follow. And that, that means that made it seem so intellectual, like I had to think about this. And, uh, but uh, Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I have faith that whatever I lost or whatever pain that I have experienced in this earth, it does not compare to the glory that he has for me. Because I'm living to live again. This life is not my own. I'm living to live again. There's this poem uh, that says, Lift your empty hands to me. And I, it says author unknown. I, I, I saw this as I was doing some research and I liked it. It says, Lift your empty hands to me. One by one he took them from me. All the things I valued most. Until I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highway grieving in my rags and poverty till I heard his voice inviting, lift your empty hands to me. So I turned my hands toward heaven, and he filled them with a store of his own transcendent riches till they could contain no more. Then at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God could not pour his riches into already into hands already full. So we got to empty our hands so that he can pour his transcendent riches in us and on us. Amen. Stand to your feet. Uh, I'm going to pray. Closing prayer and then he's going to uh, Elder Sam's going to close this out. But Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for not just receiving this word on today, but receiving with the expectation that we're going to reproduce it, that we're going to go out and share this with someone else, that we will proclaim that we are disciple makers. And as we follow you, Lord Jesus, and be led by your Holy Spirit, that others will follow us, and that we be a light in this dark world. Um, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Um, just honor you, Lord God, on this day. And again, just pierce our hearts and continue to speak to us. Allow this word just not to fall on deaf ears or just be one of these words that we hear about and not be able to uh, speak again or under, don't remember on Wednesday what the message was about, but allow this to stick to us. As in this season where we were talking about uh, being a disciple maker, 
Uh, I I see it as a warning, Lord God. You're warning us to prepare ourselves to prepare for people, to go out and share the good news of the gospel, to share the love of Christ that we so richly enjoy, to share your peace and your healing. We just thank you, Lord. So we thank you again for the opportunity that you're giving us. We pray that we utilize it and be effective in the ministry that you've called us to, which is to make disciples. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.